Welcome to Climb Hard, Love Hard podcast. We had the awesome opportunity recently to talk to Eric Hurst. He's the uh, name and uh, amazing climber behind Fizzy Vantage, uh, all of the training supplements there, as well as his own podcast, Training for Climbing. I use Fizzy Vantage. I can't believe how amazing it is, uh, especially their collagen. It's out of this world. It has been a lifesaver for me. And I also listen to Training for Climbing. I get in all kinds of pro tips. So both of those highly recommended. Uh, but this isn't a plug for those. Uh, this is a plug for Eric Hurst and this amazing interview that Dean uh, was able to do. Uh, listen in. Welcome to uh, Climb Hard, Love Harder podcast. Uh, I'm Eric. I'm Dean. And uh, what are we doing here? Well, we are, our ultimate goal is to encourage climbers on to love and good works in their local area. Yeah, man. Uh, love and good works in your local crag. And general encouragement. General encouragement. And uh, we're going to hear some stories from folks, uh, a lot of their personal insights and... Uh, Let's hear what they have to say. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and us meaning uh, Eric and I's podcast, Climb Hard, Love Harder, but Eric's out. So it's just me and you. And if you would uh, just introduce yourself to our audience, um, just this short, simple, who you are and if they're a climber for very long, they probably already know about you. Like I have a stack of books on my desk. I have a one, two, three, four of them on uh, training for climbing various. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah, go ahead yeah, and introduce well, yourself. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that Dean. And yeah, you know, I've been a climber for most of my life coming up on five decades of being a climber and, uh, being um, passionate about the sport, climbing as much as I can, though, in some phases of my life, I climbed a lot less than, you know, it's yeah. kind of a roller coaster ride and, uh, you know, it ebbs and flows. And, uh, but I've always tried to uh, contribute to the sport, you know, hopefully significantly so in the topic of training for climbing. I've written these books that um, have circulated around the world and there's many foreign translations and it's, it's just, been a, an incredible life journey to see how climbing connects people of diverse backgrounds and nationality and ethnicity and religion and politics. I mean, all these things that divide people uh, fall aside in the climbing yeah. world. That's a beautiful yeah. thing that our tribe is like, we're all psyched on climbing um, and connected in a very... Yeah. Um, intimate way. And so, yeah, I, I'm still, I'm coming up on being 60 years old here uh, soon, and I'm still as enthusiastic uh, and still training hard and working hard and trying to, you know, give back to the sport as much as I can, uh, yeah. as I did when I was in my 20s or 30s. And, uh, you know, I have a climbing family, so that's been a blessing. And, um, uh, and I guess I should add, you know, my experience or connection to uh, Climbers for Christ uh, dates back more than a decade ago when I met uh, Calvin. Um, yeah. 
uh, and uh, I guess at that point he had it branded as Solid Rock, uh, which I really liked, but um, I think the new branding is great as well. And while I've not been um, involved in the operations as folks like yourself have, I've been a supporter um, yeah. uh, over the years in, in a couple of different ways, and I'm happy to yeah. continue that in, in doing this podcast interview today. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I met you in person first time. Um, Climbers Christ has annual conference and um, we were out in West Virginia and you came, you were yeah. the guest, you gave a presentation at the AAC campground, I believe it was, yeah, it was yeah. really awesome to meet you and, and your wife, Lisa. So tell us a, a little bit about your, I've, I've followed you, I've watched, you know, I see you on Facebook and, and I get inspired, you know, seeing you and your wife and um that you've been married for many years and your sons um it's really inspiring as a husband and a father so tell us a little bit about your family if you would yeah well um first of all i uh you know i grew up in lancaster pennsylvania where i still live still kind of our home base not really climber central <laughs> here in uh, eastern pa but you know, interestingly, yeah. uh, a few top-notch climbers have come out of this region over the years. And, um, uh, you know, my parents weren't climbers, but my older brother was, uh, Kyle. And uh, so Kyle introduced me to climbing in, back in 1977 when I was uh, just, just had turned 13. So, you know, I was enamored immediately. And, uh, you know, that was long before sport climbing and bouldering with pads. I mean, climbing was pretty hardcore back then. Yeah. You know, Trad climbing, I learned to climb at the gunks and Seneca Rocks, where the gear can be quite scant. Uh, yeah. know, cams, cams hadn't been invented yet. Uh, we didn't have them on our racks at the gunks and, you know, until like around 1980. So those first few years were especially sketchy with just some hexes and nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, and bouldering without a pad, you know, I was into bouldering a bit, you know, John Gill was my idol back then. And so bouldering was one way we trained, you know, climbing gyms didn't exist yet. And so I'm, I'm definitely old school trad, you know, that's where I got my start. But then uh, in the mid eighties, uh, I, you know, when sport climbing kind of came to the States from Europe, first to Smith Rock uh, with Alan yeah. Watt in 1983. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, bolted some of the first routes with a, a couple of my partners uh, in Pennsylvania in 84 and 85. And mm -hmm. then um, the New River Gorge, I got introduced to soon thereafter. And the rest is history. You know, I bolted yeah. a couple of routes there um, and uh, put up the first 513 at the New River Gorge. There's now probably wow. 100, probably 100 513s there now, but I put up the first one in uh, 1987. So That's yeah, awesome. I've been at this game a long time and uh, been kind of a constant in my life, though, like I said, my engagement or involvement, you know, in terms of amount of climbing, you know, ebbed and flowed over the years as, you know, my career evolved and my family evolved. Uh, uh, my wife, Lisa, and I, uh, you know, we got married in 1988. So we're coming up on our 35th anniversary. And, wow. Uh, Congrats. Two boys, yeah. Two sons, Cameron and Jonathan, who uh, are now both in college and really crusher climbers i mean they they passed me in ability at age 11 when they <laughs> when they climbed their first 514s uh, at yeah. that age and uh really solid climbers and uh, good young men 
Uh, and uh, but you know they're in college, and you know, Lisa and I are empty nesters, and so we're you know that was a phase of life that was kind of hard to adjust to because we love time with our kids. You know, we did a lot with them besides climbing. Uh, my boys played football for uh, 10 years from midget all the way through high school and at a pretty yep. high level, at, you know, at a state, you know, at a state team level. And yep. uh, so I was involved in trading them for their football in addition to training them for climbing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they consequently have a very high physical IQ. Uh, I'm, I think it's important for young climbers, you know, adolescent uh, age to do multiple sports and develop yes you know, movement patterns and mental skills and physical strengths that are different from climbing. And uh, therefore yeah. you, build a, you build a well-rounded athlete uh, that mm -hmm. as an adult can go any direction they choose. You know, maybe it's not going to be climbing when they're an adult. Yeah. And, uh, but in my kid's case, you know, they, they love the football experience, but when they graduated from high school, they were ready to be for the first time in their life, kind of all in, uh, in climbing. And, uh, you know, so they're both kind of semi-pro climbers now, you know, college students and training and climbing yep. full-time outside of college and uh, trying to, you know, make it That's in the awesome. world of climbing, which is uh, challenging because it's, you know, yeah. it's quite the growth of the sport. Uh, it, it's still tough to make a career of it. It's not like the more mainstream right. sports like football or golf or Yeah, you know, very true. Uh, you know, there's only a handful of climbers really truly making a living at it and so you know that's a journey they need to figure out they're in they're in college so they both have developing careers outside of climbing um and i'm trying to be you know as much of an advisor as i can but you know once they're out of the house they're they're more self-directed or mostly self-directed and uh yeah you know so um so you're uh so yeah i i it resonates with me what you're talking about being well-rounded our daughter we have four kids um Youngest one's 21. He's getting married the end of uh, September coming up here. But uh, our daughter, our only daughter, she was a volleyball player. And um, my wife coached for many years and played college ball. And so that was one of the things she emphasized was cross training. And because she saw so many athletes get injuries because they were not, you know, well-rounded in their physical training. So that really helped our daughter get a scholarship and play through college. And so, yeah, yeah. it's really That's good. Great. That's great. So how did you, so you're how, just briefly, um, how did you and Lisa meet and how did she fall for you being a climber? I mean, you know, you're kind of <laughs> back yeah. in those days. I've seen, yeah. I've seen like, you've put up a lot of routes. So I know you were like, <laughs> you were busy out there in the climbing. Yeah, well, I mean, as as a as a youngster, I was a very shy person, and uh, you know, when I discovered climbing, that was kind of my outlet to kind of express myself. And uh, you know, so in high school, I didn't go to the senior prom; I went to the gunks and went climbing. Yeah, uh, that's just how I was in high school. In college, I slowly came out of my shell and even played in a band for a couple of years. Uh, you know, kind of a bar band playing mm -hmm. you know, new wave cover songs, and uh, that <laughs> along with uh, exposure in, to the climbing industry, I kind of. Uh, developed more outwardly, I guess. And, uh, you know, as a traveling climber, getting to meet a lot of people and then eventually as a coach. Uh, but uh, in terms of meeting Lisa, it was actually at a health club. Again, uh, it would have been 1987. Uh -huh. 
before, I mean, the first climbing gyms were just opening then. I'll, I guess yeah. it's vertical world or uh, whatever. But uh, here in Pennsylvania, there were no climbing gyms yet. And so, like, I was still training at a regular health club, and she was uh, doing an internship. Her degree is in kinesiology. So she was, as her senior project, doing an internship at a rehab center. And so that's where we first crossed paths. And uh, she was a NCAA Division One golfer at Penn State. Uh-huh. Uh, we were both at Penn State, but never met. It's a big school, and uh, right, yeah, you know, we're, we're about the same age. Uh, but we did cross paths at this health club, and we met. And you know, I dug that she was an athlete, and uh, she grew up with three brothers, so she knew how to hang with the guys physically, you know, training yep. or golfing or skiing. Uh, but she had never climbed, and so I took her climbing, and you know, kind of the rest is history. Because uh, yeah. back then there weren't many female climbers. Not because they couldn't do it. It's just because it was kind of a man sport. It was a sport of eccentrics. You know, if you go back to the 70s in the Northeast, uh, you know, most of the climbers were um, guys from the climbing clubs, like at the Ivy League schools, you know, Princeton and Harvard and Dartmouth, you know, they all had climbing clubs. uh, And uh, so the climbers I'd run into at the Gunks in New York were a lot of those type of older people, 20, 30 somethings, academics, you know, there were some dirt bags back then, but you know, there weren't many female climbers. That was yeah, for sure. You had to take your girlfriend uh, or significant other climbing and maybe they would get into it. And now it's amazing. Yeah. There's this, this gender equity, you know, there's as many, maybe more female climbers. I know when I go to the crags, it's like, it seems like some of the people attacking the routes and climbing the hardest are the ladies these days. Well, right. I sit around at the ground and, <laughs> you know, chew the fat, <laughs> you know, the women, yeah. are, you know, kicking butt. And uh, so, That's yeah, good. it's really changed a lot over 45 years. Um, but in any case, uh, we quickly hit it off. We came from very similar backgrounds, you know, Christian families, you know, both raised in the Methodist church. And yeah. you know, so we had kind of the same value system uh, and we we're both athletes and enjoyed working out together and so it's like we went from meeting to being engaged in like six months and then being married like eight months after that so it all played out in about a year and a half yeah that's fast my wife and i we i think we dated about two years and so you beat us on that on that timeline (laughs) (laughs) so uh we, I could just, I could talk to you all day, but on this, uh, on all sorts of tangents. Uh, my wife and I, we were coming up on 33 years of marriage, and so that'd be one thing. I, it'd be interesting to talk about. But uh, since we're trying to keep keep this a little bit shorter, um, on and you and I discussed, or I via email, I mentioned that. I'm hard, love harder podcast. Um, kind of what makes us different from other climbing podcasts is we like to touch on the spiritual side of life on your, you know, spiritual story. Um, and, you know, wrapped in the end result of the podcast is the recap on what I mentioned to you was the listener after they listen to a podcast we want them to go away encouraged to love and you know to climb hard and love harder in their climbing community so that they're encouraged um you know just to 
spread love. And so. Right. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I have a few things I can say um, on that kind of side of things. Um, climbing is in many ways a metaphor for life. It's, you know, climbing is a roller coaster ride of successes yeah. and failures, of sending your route or failing on your route. And, you know, life, you know, has through all its phases those ups and downs as well. Uh, in climbing, those ups and downs tend to be more brief. The adversities tend to be brief. The highs of sending our projects tend to be brief. Uh, yeah. In life, there can be periods of months or years that are a struggle. Um, and then hopefully resolution and you know improvement and kind of overcoming adversity and yeah. you know, reconnecting spiritually but you know just that the, the process of how we approach a climb mentally yep. face the challenges and try to problem solve and uh, whether you send or not kind of find a way to make peace with it on any given route and i yep. i think a lot of our challenges in life kind of are the same process uh one thing i think that was great about my kids growing up as climbers and, you know, they, they took, they went to the crags with us when they were four or five and, you know, yep. they just, swung, they swung around on the ropes then they really didn't, you know, kids don't get climbing until they're six or so. Um, yeah. You know, what the mission is, uh, mm -hmm. of climbing. but as they got that and began to, you know, actually they both did their first lead climbs like at age seven, you know, really wow. safe bolted, bolted routes. Um, yeah. Teaching them, the mental skills, you know, the, the, the very broad skill set, you know, and all the tools that you have, how to deal with your emotions and fear and all these mental tactics that I've written and coached over yeah. the years. Right. Uh, you know, teaching them to my sons or climbers I work with, but, you know, with my sons when they're 8, 10, 12, 14 years old, being able to talk on that level um, and they think they're just learning a climbing skill, how to climb harder, but what they're right. really learning is a life skill and how to problem solve on the fly and deal with uncertainty. I mean, that's a big yeah. part, a big part of climbing, you know, project yep. is, you know, you start up on a big wall or start up on a new sport climb project. There's a tremendous uncertainty. You don't know if you'll ever do it. You don't know, yep. you know how, how it's going to go. And so being comfortable with being uncomfortable is a learned skill and same yes. thing within our lives you have to uh you know there's going to be rough days at work in relationships in you know yeah. many other life areas there can be rough days and you uh need to have the the skill set to deal with that and persevere yeah. rather than succumb to just trying to change your state say with drugs and alcohol yeah. Do you, do you have, um, talking about overcoming and, and that's really good what you're saying. Um, do you have a short, you know, story that a short thing that you can share with us about personally overcoming, um, whether it's, you know, marriage, family, climbing, it's kind of a, a life struggle that you can put out there to encourage a listener. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I have, observed many examples of uh, with friends and my two high school climbing partners, Jeff Batzer and Hugh Herr, uh, when uh, they were 18 or 19 years old, when we were all climbing together in high school, they went on a mountaineering trip that changed their life. They uh, got lost in a blizzard on Mount Washington. This is back in you know 1982. 
They yeah. both lost uh, multiple limbs to frostbite. Uh, it's a life-changing event to a 19 year well, to anybody, but to a 19-year-old, right. it could have been something that would just uh, adversely affect their life forever, you know, maybe lead them down some dark paths, you know, losing legs and fingers. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the case of those two guys, you know, Hugh went on to MIT and got his PhD, and he's now a developer, one of the world's leaders in developing bionic limbs that are being yep. put on soldiers who lose their legs or anybody who loses their legs. And uh, and Jeff Batzer, the other um, climber in that climbing accident in 1982, went on to become a pastor. And so, you know, Hugh kind of conquered or uh, overcame the impacts of his accident in the material world, uh, you know, yeah. by developing bi bionic limbs, uh, whereas uh, Jeff, did it through the spiritual world uh yeah a pastor and you know helping other people countless people over the years face tragedy or life-changing uh, events and um you know i've uh, thankfully not experienced anything that dramatic or impactful in my life but sure there's different uh, events and situations you know mm -hmm. that i've faced over the years that um were very disappointing and uh, humbling, and uh, I could have quit uh, yeah. because of them. And I guess one that comes to mind that's kind of interesting is well known today as this coach and author of all these books. But yeah. how, how that all came about was kind of through failure. And this, let me tell you a short story here. Is, yeah. uh, back in the late 80s, when I was starting to just coach a few climbers that, you know, they saw me climbing at the New River Gorge and said, hey, you know, can you give me some of your training tips? And that was kind of the start of, I mean, there were no climbing coaches back then. It didn't exist. In fact, yeah. there, were no, there were no climbing articles in the media, in the magazines back in the, you know, mid 80s. Right. Yeah. Until, until in 1988, I wrote the first two or three articles um, published in the English language on training for climbing uh, for uh, Rock and Ice and Climbing Magazine. And it's funny, you know, when I first contacted the editors that I wanted to write some articles for their magazine, they're like, Eric, nobody, nobody trains for climbing. You know, nobody will read this stuff. And yeah. I said, well, that might be true, but people need to train for climbing. And, you know, so you fast forward now 40 years. And of course, yeah. everybody trains for climbing. I mean, open up your Instagram <laughs> or Facebook and all you see is people training for climbing. So I like yep. to think I was kind of the first uh, one to kind of uh, promote the, the value of it. But in any case, um, I, I did write a few articles for the magazines uh, back in that era. Um, and they, they slowly caught on, you know, through the nineties, yeah. so. mm -hmm. but I decided, I guess around 1990, I was going to actually publish my own, uh, climbing newsletter, like a 20 page newsletter that was just training stuff, mental training, technical, physical, a yep. mm -hmm. little bit of everything. And I published that for a couple of years and I believe I got a thousand or 1500 subscribers, but it just wasn't a viable business. And yep. I did, I did everything, you know, or Lisa and I did everything in terms of, I wrote the bulk of the articles and edited and designed, yeah. and, you know, we sat in our apartment and, you know, mailed the newsletters and put stamps on the envelopes. And it was really, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, pre-internet days really, you know, so yeah. you could do the whole thing through a website today, but back then, you know, it was printed matter. And so yep. in any case, long story short is after a year or two of doing that, it's like, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. It's, you know, taking up too much time and it's not all that profitable. Uh, and, 
so, uh, so I was getting ready to close that down and I got uh, a call or maybe it was a, a meeting at a trade show with a guy named George Myers. And he was the owner of a book publishing company called Chalkstone Press. Uh, yeah. You know, the older climbers will, will remember Chalkstone Press because they were the largest American publisher of like climbing guides and climbing related books. And later yeah. on, Chalkstone got bought by Falcon. And, you know, Falcon guides are ubiquitous now. They're everywhere in every right. climbing store and in most people's libraries. So long story short, um, you know, George Myers uh, said, why don't you write a training book for me? Take the stuff that you're putting in the newsletter and let's form it into a book. Yep. And, and in doing that, uh, in 1994, we published uh, or he published my book, Flash Training, which is my first real you know, book that okay. was sold in stores. So mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're now talking still about 29 or 30 years ago. Uh, but yeah. that was the start of me writing books. And Flash Training went on to become the book that is now Training for Climbing through many editions. I think there would be four editions that you would track through the years as yeah. science. Well, I, I have I have two of those. Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah. And so as the <laughs> science, science came together and as my thoughts evolved, you know, through experience and through working with climbers and you know, interfacing with pro climbers uh, mm -hmm. through all those years, uh, you know, the greats of my generation, like Lynn Hill and Wolfgang Gulick and Todd Skinner and, you know, the people that went before us, like John Gill and the people that went after us, uh, culling information, refining it, trying to give it a, as much scientific basis, uh, you know, yeah. each, each edition of uh, Training for Climbing uh, made a big uh, advancement. And I've just agreed with the publisher to begin work on the next edition of Training for Climbing, which will be a year till it comes out. It will be late 2024. Okay. But uh, the current edition, the third edition, and if you count Flash Training, it's actually the fourth edition that's out now. But in any case, uh, the current edition was published in uh, 2016. So by the time I get the replacement book out um, the end of next year, it'll be eight years. And so okay. you really... The way things are moving now, there's so much new climbing research and, you know, climbing is now in the Olympics and it wasn't when I wrote the last book. And so things are changing on a number of fronts. And so the time is right to begin work on a new edition. And so getting back to your your question is, you know, that failed newsletter back in 1990 is what led me to where I am today in terms of having now written something like eight books uh, on the order of maybe 10 foreign translations. I just got in the mail. Uh, the South Korean translation of Training for Climbing. Wow. Which is a real hoot, you know, to see these books uh, translated into all these different languages and to know that I'm able to positively impact, you know, people all over the world, no matter where they live or what they speak. And, uh, you know, that failed newsletter and all those uh, seemingly wasted nights and struggles, you know, trying to publish yeah. that newsletter. Uh, you know, <laughs> there was, there was a, Happy ending, though, a lot of work uh, over the 30 years that elapsed since then. Wow. Writing a book is such a hard endeavor. You know, anybody who ever writes a book, I don't care if it's good or bad, deserves credit because, you know, you need to put a lot of, well, it's the ultimate delayed gratification because you, yeah. you, you write for a year and then edit and wait for the publisher for another year. And maybe in two years, you'll have a book. And you, yeah. you did all did all the work in the front end, you know, without uh, little or any cash uh, or credit. And so, yeah, you know, yeah, writing books is is a tough thing. And yeah, um, 
it sure sounds I'm, like I'm, it. I'm a, yeah, I'm a better person for it. And it's really um, been, I guess, you know, it's a big part of my legacy as a climber. You know, I've put up a lot of routes, you know, that's kind of one type of legacy, but yeah. my, uh, you know, publishing efforts are another. And I would like to think the ultimate legacy is the, the lives that I've changed or helped become better through climbing and encouraging yeah. people and, you know, circling back to the, you know, climb hard, love harder, you know, just spreading that message um, in a very friendly, um, yeah. comfortable way. And, you know, if you read any of my books, uh, especially, you know, I, I wrote a book called Maximum Climbing, which is more about climbing mastery and the mental side of things. Uh -huh. um, in that book, you know, if you read through it, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly not a religious text in any way, but there's, you know, definite spiritual elements and lessons and, you know, connections that I share. Um, yeah. and I think most climbers, uh, I would like to even think the ones that are atheist have at times in climbing these glimpses of the beyond, you know, yes. uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I have always sensed that. Um, not every time I climb, but in certain situations, uh, yep. you just get this sense of something bigger and grander um, yeah. and everlasting. And for many people, it's very nebulous uh, and tough to yeah. dis discover, you know, know exactly what you're feeling or sensing. Yes. Me, I, when I have those feelings, I feel like I, I am getting that glimpse of the spiritual realm. And that's good. You know, and so there's a bit of, you know, discussion, not in depth but in my book. And I'd like to think all of my books really just share a very positive message uh, yeah. that, um, you know, first of all, if you're lucky enough to be reading a climbing book and climbing for pleasure, then you're in a pretty good place to start with because there's yeah you are a lot of people sure. in the world that are just trying to find uh, the next meal to get in their mouth or oh boy my wife get, and I my wife yeah. and I just went to Burkina Faso this summer on a mission trip and then we went to Honduras so that resonates like what you're saying about just being yeah. able to climb for pleasure is wow yeah yeah it's so a like gift. And so that's something I, I, I have often thought to myself and communicated to other climbers is like, even your worst day climbing, you know, when you feel like you're a failure and you want to quit, you're still in a better place than, you know, probably 90% of the world. And uh, yeah. so you need to uh, live each day with immense gratitude and certainly so when you succeed and send your projects and have those great days, uh, you know, you're truly blessed. But even on the days that don't go your direction in climbing yeah. or otherwise uh, yeah you uh, if you're you know listening to this podcast if you're reading a climbing book if you're going to a climbing gym or traveling to a crag well then just by you being there is evidence that you're pretty well off compared to a lot of yeah. other people and so that's so you know, true I, yeah so i try to you know spread that message and also just help people use training to elevate their climbing. But as I mentioned at the start, you know, using climbing as a metaphor for life, as you sharpen your skills as a climber, you're also sharpening your skills as a human being. And, yeah. uh, you know, I agree. so that's uh, a message that I try to communicate. 
Um, I, I'm never one to try to hit people over the head with information or, you know, I, I, I am certainly never preachy about things, but as much as someone inquires, I'm willing to share. And yeah, you know, and those conversations one-to-one can evolve, you know, as deeply as they need to go. And so, you know, I'm not an evangelist at the crags by any stretch, but I, I am there to coach and to encourage and yep. in the private environment of a one-to-one conversation, if things go deeper, I'm happy to go there. And yeah, you know, we my just approach to things. Eric, Eric and I just came back from uh, a climbing festival and because of the encounters, conversations we had, we're, we recorded, uh, we haven't published it yet, but we're going to, we're going to either record a separate or kind of include it in our, probably in the outro on our podcast outro, but basically putting it out there for people, if they want to talk just confidentially um, via email or phone call or whatever about anything kind of spiritual life struggles and just being like you're saying you're not pushy but along that same line we want to put it out there that we're available or we know people that would be more than willing to talk confidentially about you know sometimes yeah. People find themselves in a circle, family, friend circle, where they want to talk about something, but if they open up that can of worms, it can just present a whole nother batch of problems. So, yeah, I like that. Well, that, that's a great service, and and hopefully, you know, people that are in this sport long enough, and uh, certainly the people that are professional climbers in some way, uh, hopefully recognize how lucky they are and yeah. you know climbing is an activity that doesn't contribute anything to the world by itself uh yeah it's really about just self-gratification and so yep. i'd like to think you almost have a duty to try to pay it back to uh help elevate yeah. other individuals uh just yep. with a, it could be as something as minimal as a smile or you know go send that route or you know yeah. a little you know, word of encouragement or it could be some deeper level of support that you're able to offer somebody uh, that yeah. you meet and um i've met thousands of climbers over the years uh from all backgrounds and levels of success and career and relationships and um we're all kind of different inside but yet um i think we can all still yeah kind of empathize and hopefully empower um yes. especially the, especially the people that are recognizable like myself or the or the pros that are you know role models hopefully they can pay back and yeah in some way uh give back to the sport and help you know uh, folks that are out there and yeah um, you know, in this era, era, yeah, this era of social media, you know, it's like you it, it, you get this illusion that everybody is just beautiful and happy and always sending their projects. And yeah. just on social, on social media, generally, life seems great. Um, yeah. And it, it's obviously, as we all know, very, very fake. Um, you know, people generally post about their best days, not their worst days. And, right. you know, and so like you and I and everybody listening can likely relate to that. And, yeah. um, you know, when I meet new people, I just try to be a, a friendly face and give some encouragement and 
recognize, right. even, even though on the outside they might look fine, you know, maybe, you know, on the inside they're not. And yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, a couple of thoughts that came to mind. Uh, one, as you're sharing, one is the I just finished reading a book um, about spiritual sonship and or daughtership, either one, and it he touched on the kind of overall how it's kind of religion versus relationship and Jesus when he was questioned what's the greatest commandment or the greatest law and he said love God with all your all your being and love your neighbor as yourself and really that's what it comes down to even even someone who doesn't believe in God or gods then that would be I would just phrase it as their unknown God or their anti-God. So, you know, love, love the spiritual pursuit with all your, you know, pursue it with all of your passion. And then at the same time, in the same day-to-day happenings, love your climbing neighbor or your neighbor who doesn't climb as you would want them to love you. So it's pretty simple, right? <laughs> Pretty simple. And then you touched on uh, kind of when you're climbing, experiencing experiencing God or the spiritual. One of my favorite quotes is when Eric Little, the Scottish runner, he, he was asked about, you know, why do you run? And basically he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And so I kind of adopted yeah. that as my own. Like when yeah. I climb, when I'm out climbing, I feel God, God's pleasure. I, that's and, one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I totally relate to that. Yeah, believe that for sure. So good. So um, to wrap up, uh, is there something that you that you would like to cover that we haven't haven't that you want to include in the podcast? I would like to say that I I hope I'm around this sport for another few decades yeah <laughs> you know, turning 60 this winter is like a, a milestone that uh you know i was at a climbing medicine uh research conference two weeks ago in, in squamish and i was uh, one of the presenters uh -huh. and you know there's all these you know climbers and esteemed researchers and surgeons and pts and you know it was a great event and i looked around the room and i'm like I think I'm the oldest person in this room. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, how did that happen? How did I get oh, to be the person in the room? And um, so I guess, I guess the good side of that is that I'm still climbing, whereas a lot of my peers, uh, you know, my age have, you know, hung up the rope and the climbing shoes. Uh, yeah. Not all of them. There's still a few out there crushing it, but um, you know, it's uh, your, your body and your motivation can turn on you as you get older for sure. And oh so, boy. I'm kind That's of another interested. podcast maybe we could do in the future because yeah, I'm turning 53. So I'm like, one of the big looming yeah. questions is on that, like how to continue. So maybe yeah, a future yeah. podcast. It, it, that's a huge topic. And I mean, you know, climbing is a sport where, you know, the mastery that you accumulate over many decades, you uh, are, if you've been climbing for as many years as I have, you're you know, pretty far up the learning curve. You have this great mm -hmm. skill set and this vast database of experience, uh, but yet your body can turn on you. Injuries, you know, yeah. recovery, and, uh, and, you know, so if you can somehow keep 
your body together and stay motivated, there's no reason you can't continue to climb at a high level in your 60s yep. or 70s. And, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be evidence of that for folks uh, to, to um, follow in my wake. And there's others that have gone before me that are doing it, uh, though only a handful. And, you know, it's funny, I guess my final legacy in climbing might be my, uh, you know, nutrition brand that I launched five years ago, Fizzy Vantage Nutrition. It's the yeah, first- I have some of that. I have some yeah. of that in my cupboard, some of those products <laughs> in my uh, <laughs> pantry right now. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, certainly don't think climbers absolutely must consume climbing nutrition, but um, it became an, uh, a necessity for me when I was a 50-something. You know, when I turned 50, that's kind of when I really felt uh, a shift, a negative shift in my recovery ability, my strength, my power, just mm-hmm. my energy levels. And so, you know, being the this, the researcher that I am, I set off just to like turn ev- over every rock possible to help get myself back on track and, you know, keep, keep things together as I aged. And, you know, I kind of had the training side of things really nailed down. I I knew what I was doing there, but on the nutrition side, I I didn't, I wasn't quite as savvy as I am now. And so kind of out of that research that I began, you know, nine years ago when I turned 50, I I identified some things that would be of benefit to climbers, aging climbers, even, even young climbers, if they're hardworking um, and, you know, young climbers tend to overtrain and like the gluttons for punishment and your body breaks down, you get injured. And, you know, right. so, you know, my first product, uh, supercharged collagen, that was Fizzy Vantage's first and is our hero product. It this is. Game, that's, it's, that's it's, what I take. And yeah, it's, Eric, it's, Eric's not here, but he'd be praising it if you were here because he, yeah. it, it's helped him a whole bunch. Well, I, I appreciate that. And there's an evidence basis for it. There's good research mm-hmm. that I discovered. Yep. A number of years ago and then i set out to formulate uh, a novel type of collagen powder there's nothing on the market quite like fizzy vantage supercharged collagen yes you know it's supercharged with nutrients that really make it most effective in the joints and tendons of climbers and you know the back on the back of the bag it gives you some user advice on how to consume it optimally uh yeah and you know, so if you follow the protocol and do it daily, for many climbers, it's game changing in terms yeah. of uh, reduction in joint pain, connective tissue health. That's what pain. Eric. That's what Eric experienced: reduction yeah. in joint pain. Yeah, enhanced uh, recovery from injury. If you're doing rehab, you can accelerate the rehab if you couple uh-huh. it with the supercharged collagen. And so the brand grew out of that uh, one product, really. And we now have nine products, and we're uh, We've launched in Europe a few of our products, and we have many of the world's best climbers, you know, from Alex Megos and Daniel Woods and Jonathan Segrist, um, and yep. top top lady climbers like Paige Clawson and Brittany Gorris and yep. Andy Stahl. I, you know, I could go on a list of like 50 pros yeah. that are using for the <laughs> advantage because, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They, yep. they feel the difference, and it helps them train harder, recover faster, and and, and climb better. And yes. so I, I'm really stoked and still working hard day in and day out to grow this brand and make it hopefully a legacy, you know, a generational yeah. kind of thing. You know, maybe one of my sons will end up running the company someday. We'll see. Yeah. But it's, well, that would it's be great. Of, 
it's an exciting development over the last five years. I didn't, you know, I, I couldn't have forecasted this um, yeah. you know, 20 years ago that this is where I have been. But that's kind of the, the life journey is that, um, you know, over the long arc, uh, you will be um, presented with, you know, many forks in the road and, you know, many yep. opportunities, uh, but also many um, potential situations for sabotaging yourself in various ways and you know you come to those forks in the road and you know you have kind of that moment of decision and uh you know that's where i I guess you know i have to thank my parents for giving me the value system and kind of the spiritual basis to more often than not make the right choices though i've certainly made my share of bad choices yeah <laughs> we'll do I'm, we'll do another interview a, we'll talk about that yeah i'm definitely a all your bad choices <laughs> yeah yeah i'm definitely a, a flawed person as everybody else is um, yeah but i've overcome hopefully most of the bad decisions and uh made the most yeah. of the handful of opportunities uh that have been presented to me and so, but again, it's it, well, climbing is a metaphor. You know, we have those yep. crossroads on routes. You know, uh, in terms of, am I safe to run it out or not? And right. you know, because uh, the sometimes weather not you know, sometimes you know, not, but we get away with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> kind of, that brings you up to date, kind of on where I'm at. <laughs> okay, I yeah, so. I appreciate that. So, uh, one question that we like to ask, just for uh, for the lightness of it, is. Uh, What's your favorite after climbing beverage? Well, uh, I, oh, I'm big. Well, first of all, I, I'm really big on recovery drinks. So within an hour of being finished climbing or training, I try to consume a, a whey protein shake because I want to get that 25 grams of protein into my system because you uh, there's no benefit to delaying a meal for many hours. Uh, you know, after you exercise or climb, you want to get, you know, rebuilding and refueling. Uh, that being said, you know, if I send a hard route, well, then, you know, I do enjoy a send beer. I'm, I'm not a big consumer of alcohol, but, you know, Sierra Nevada uh, Pale Ale has kind of been my go-to. Uh, yep. Although I, I should add that I was introduced this summer to um, athletic brewing near yeah. beer. Yeah. Uh, and while it doesn't taste quite as good as a Sierra Nevada pale ale, they do have a pale ale that's decent and only 60 calories and zero alcohol. I have um, both. I have both of those in my, in my fridge right now, the athletic and the Sierra Nevada. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Funny. Well, it, it kind of here's the ironically yesterday I drove out to whole foods and bought a 12 pack of the uh, athletic brewing pale ale. And because, you know, um, kind of, I'm in a training block now for six weeks to get ready for Red River Gorge season, October, November. And uh, one thing I could do is drop a few pounds. Uh, Not that I'm excessively fatty or anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm a few pounds above my fighting weight uh, where I should be. And a few pounds makes a big difference on overhanging routes, like at the red. And so as, as part of my, um, you know, increased dietary surveillance, you know, trying to dial back on, you know, sweets and breads and, you know, not eliminate totally because, yeah. you know, that's just not me, but I, if I can reduce portion size and, you know, do a little less. And if I 
you know, rather than drinking a couple of Sierra Nevada pale ales each week for the next four weeks, how about I just have a few athletic brewings instead? And so yeah. that, that all adds <laughs> up. And I think that along a training program that I've developed for the next six weeks, hopefully that'll deliver me to the red on October 1st in nice. you know, good well, form. Post, <laughs> post pictures, keep posting on social media because your uh, posts encourage me. I'm fit, you know, I think I already mentioned I'll be turning 53 this winter. So keep posting and sharing. It's very uh, encouraging to get out there and keep training. That's great. I I give uh, kudos to anybody that's in their 50s that are still out at the crags yeah. trying to trying to, you know, send routes or just passionately climbing because, you know, yep. life, can, life can get in the way, you know, career, family, just all the, you know, climbing yep. and travel can be quite expensive. And, you know, uh, it's, you know, you don't always have the in disposable income to travel. I know there are phases of my life where I just didn't have the financial resources to travel yep. much. And, yep. uh, you know, so things can get in the way and, if someone is in their fifties and still getting after it, that's, that's, yeah. impressive. that's impressive to me. So let's, I, I always, you know, fist bump other guys yeah. of my, okay. in a similar age and say, let's keep it going. You know? Yes. I'll, I'll uh, receive and send the fist bump. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day, your busy schedule. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to your seeing your, your uh, successes and failures or and struggles on social media because it all goes together and and uh, it encourages me i know that so i'm not the only one on that in that uh, category so thank you very much and uh blessings to you and your wife and your two boys and the rest of your families yeah. and friends well well thanks dean i appreciate you uh doing this podcast and ultimate kudos to um calvin landris for just the vision he had yeah to uh launch you know this yeah. organization and kind of fill a void i guess you would say yeah uh, in, in climbing and um and you know kudos to the people in your organization that are kind of the boots in the ground i know like yeah. at international climbers festival in lander this summer uh you guys are always a presence there and yeah. I'm sure at other festivals as well and uh, so yep. you, you know you're really you're owning it and you know, yeah doing the doing the heavy lifting out there and spreading the word and that's that's tremendous so all right i appreciate that and all of us appreciate that so thank you and have a great rest of your day okay take care dean Thanks for listening to Climb Hard, Love Harder podcast uh, with uh, Eric and Dean here. Uh, please, please send us feedback on email at pod at climbersforchrist.org. We would love to hear from you. And uh, that's what I know yeah. on that. And hopefully we encouraged you. And we, not only do we believe, but we know that you have gifts to offer yep. in, in your local community. And, yeah and step out and be an encourager yes and uh, climb hard but love harder that's right yep thanks okay. for listening thanks for listening we love you love you
Okay, so... Uh, yeah? We just got done. <laughs> we just got done uh, with a bunch of uh, ice climbing prep stuff because uh, it's super sunshiny right now. And apparently we've had an El... Is it El Nino or La Nina? I think it's El Nino. El Nino, because that's what we're having because it's been like summer or yeah it's been way too warm for ice but we're on the verge of getting ice it's coming uh yeah and hopefully this next week so we were doing a lot of ice like tool hangs and uh calf stuff yeah and uh other things practicing uh holding our heels high because you want to be <laughs> want to be on your high toes heels. with your heel <laughs> yes oh my gosh oh yeah 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 no don't put your high heels i mean don't put your heels high no you have to uh drop your heels or at least flat yeah, but you'll learn that if you don't ice climb, because you'll pop off. <laughs> yeah, you'll learn after. You'll a few learn times. after a few times. So uh, we're gonna do. Uh, so this is gonna be a. Uh, um, and can we just agree that we're not gonna edit out all the uhs and okay. the ums? All right. Okay. It's too much work. But too much work. We're gonna have a, a year in review, twenty twenty four year in review, and uh, we've got some highlights from uh, October's. Uh, Congress for uh, Christ highlights, and we're going to highlight also. Highlight, yes, we are. Oh, yes, rabbit trail. Cheer to that. Okay, back to uh, your other highlights. uh, We're gonna do uh, some highlights from Congress for Christ uh, 2023 um, uh, annual conference there in Smith, and uh, find out what uh, what brought people to the uh, to the crag and to the annual conference. Yep, and. Stuff like that. Yeah. What other things Good. should? What other things are we going to cover in this uh, year in uh, look back twenty twenty three uh, review? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Uh, now you're making me think about it. I think uh, through the review, we'll it'll kind of spur us to listen to go back and listen to the interviews with, that we did. Oh yeah, and then. Pull, yeah, draw the highlights out of there. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, and, and maybe, uh, what do you think about this? I think while the listeners are listening, they should think about their own 2023, uh, the things that brought them stoke, uh, what cheered them on, yeah. uh, places that they found God working in their lives, the places that they found God, but it was unexpected and like, what? Yeah. God's here too? That kind of stuff. Like what happened to us at a oh Idaho Mountain Festival. Oh my gosh, Idaho Mountain Festival. So good. That was a highlight for I am, sure. I'm going to cheer to that. Cheers. That was with my so good. Athletic Run Wild IPA, Athletic Brewing Company. Yeah, it's a my uh, near beer. Near beer. All right. Well, you have to plug your nose when you say that. Near <laughs> beer. <laughs> All right. Listen in, and uh, this should be good. Yep. Oh, here we are. Twenty twenty January twenty twenty four. Sitting in the sun on my back patio after doing some. Ice tool hangs. Yep. And, Waiting for the uh, ice to come. Trying to kick in the vitamin D. Yeah. Heading up to Highlight here uh, in about a week and a half. For my birthday. Uh, yep, for Dean's birthday. 53rd birthday. So old. If I live that long. <laughs> Lord willing. <sighs> so, yeah. Speaking of highlights. Yeah. And not Highlight Canyon. Mm-mm. We'll talk about that later. I hope so. Uh, Eric, what are some highlights from 2023. Okay. I'm glad you asked, Dean. 
So yeah. uh, two of the highlights for me in 2023 are kind of like, uh, I think they're like counterintuitive highlights. Like a lot of people wouldn't think they were highlights, but um, I think I learned a lot from them. And it was also like a good reminder that uh, what we would think of as failure are like the foundation for all of our successes. Mm-hmm. Like that's not yeah. the way to do it basically. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of them was, and I also think that it's, that it's important to be candid, especially in climbing, to be candid about things that you did not do correctly. Mm-hmm. Like it is not a place to be prideful or to be like yeah. spraying that yeah. you know exactly what you're doing because that'll get you killed. Yeah. So the fall will come if the pride, dude. <laughs> the fall will come hard. <laughs> Let's cheers to that. Uh, so uh, one of them was uh, getting up over by Benzema, and it was on a climb that I had been on like I don't know a half dozen times. A great big long multi pitch, eleven hundred foot sport route, bolted, lots of fun. But it's been like two or three years since the prime, last time I was on prime it. Prime rib. Prime rib of goat. Yeah, and it's fun. It's five It's five fun. It's like five eight. Yeah. And uh, super super chill. But there's been like some redoing of that area. Oh, okay. And I got up there, like just redoing of the entrance of yeah. the, the trailheads. And I got up there uh, with a buddy. And do you think I could find the trailhead <laughs> for that climb? <laughs> no. So what did we do? We farted around and uh, went up the wrong uh, little chute. Uh, two or three things. Had a great time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like reconnoitering and looking at things and checking out rock and being dangerous on a uh, super uh, steep scree. But did we get to the climb? No. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, this is not a close climb for us. This is like three and a half, four hours away. Yeah. So, uh, and then when we were driving back out, we got out, we uh, jumped. That, we, it was that'd, su- be the, that'd be the crow approach. That, That's eating that's, crow. That's, exactly. <laughs> And I was like, I, I, I know where this thing is, right? <laughs> Holy smokes. So you got back out. So we got yeah. back out, and we were like, you know what? There's a river right there. Let's jump in the river. Yes. So it was all hot and sunny, and I was super yeah. nice. You missed out on that. I've been there, but right? I wasn't with you. No, but uh, so, we, uh, so we jumped in the river, got cooled off, had a great visit, and it was just really nice. That's awesome. But as we were driving out, I look over to my left, and what do I see? The approach, trailhead entrance yeah. for the climber supposed to be on and i'm yeah. like holy smokes we'd gotten there in the dark but all that oh. to say uh what a great reminder you know yeah do a little bit of homework but also realize that and those things are going to come along yeah where you think you know where you're at and you know what you're doing and what, and a, not, what a screw up and not to talk about your uh all the years you have under your belt every single time yep. you know i don't want to bring that up every time mm-hmm. but you know maybe you should uh, not rely pers- on your memory. <laughs> I should have a personal. I need a personal, <laughs> personal assistant for climbing beta. Yeah, trail guide. A trail. Ooh, a personal, personal. trail guide. Yeah. And then the second piece is like it. So I was up uh, with uh, a couple of younger guys. I'm 54. Uh, this year, this year I'll be in August. I'll be 55. So I'm, I know. I'm just well, barely ahead of you, man. and since everything's a competition, <laughs> that's right. So, um, we went. I uh, was with my nephew and his buddy, and we were going to do the uh, Palisade Traverse down this uh, in the California Sierras. Yeah. And man, those mountains are 
yeah. gigantic and they're forever. Yeah. So we got down there, got on the right trail. I think it's out of Bishop and uh, got up and out, followed uh, the beta, right? right? Mm-hmm. And we got to where we thought the uh, high camp was and we were scouting stuff out. We did everything right. We were, were acclimating, got a good night's sleep. And the next day we rested, but went out and did some, you know, a little bit higher up. Yeah. Because we were camping at probably about 12,000 feet. Oh, yeah. It's like the top of, that's above Mount. That's, that's, not, that's Adams. like Adams. That's top like, of Adams. Yeah, it's like sleeping at Adams for us. Yep. And so uh, we uh, got up. And did all that. Then the next day, got up, get ready to go do our thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we had sp- we had spotted the chute that we were going to go up the couloir, and we'd even looked at Excuse the. You. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. We had looked at the uh, at the at the aspect of the mountain range, mm-hmm. and it's like it checked off every box. There's a peak there, a coulee there. Uh, there's uh, a little uh, bump there. There's yep. a little saddle there. You know, mm-hmm. on and on. It was exactly what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And we got up uh, into the couloir, got up, and I got up to that rock because I was guiding these guys. Uh, and I was like, "This nobody's ever climbed on this rock. <laughs> and so we got up. I went ahead and, and did the, the pitch and uh, got up on this little platform. It's probably, I don't know, five by seven or something like this or four by seven. Mm-hmm. And it was virgin rock. I don't think anybody's ever been up there before. Uh, went up a little bit higher. Virgin, virgin lichen. Virgin lichen. Went up a little bit higher later. Pulled off some stuff. Down climbed. And these guys have just have, don't have a lot of climbing experience. Uh, it was full on uh, adventure for them, and it was for me as well. But uh, do you think that we were in the right spot? No. Yeah. So uh, all that time, all that effort, the money, the uh, the trouble, uh, the prep. Uh, in the wrong spot. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up leaving some, uh, so I actually left three cams uh, because I needed to, because that was the only way to get uh, my nephew and his buddy home uh, safe. Probably could have done it. If I'd just been with you, mm-hmm. I would have like put you on one nut or something <laughs> and said, you wrap first. <laughs> uh, we'll see if it holds and bounce test it, please. Bounce test that nut. But uh, anyway, uh, what a great... What a great lesson that the um, uh, it actually ended up being an, an awesome lesson that that lessons don't come cheap, mm-hmm. but they're also like it wasn't a failure. Yeah, I probably climbed something nobody else has climbed. Yeah, and but but moreover, it was like this just building a foundation for the next time. And we've already been talking about going down and getting to the right section of the, of the, <laughs> of the uh, Sierras, yeah, right? Yeah. And just going, we just needed to go a little bit further. And we actually had reconned further on on our day off when we were acclimating. And we were like, oh yeah, that looks really nice over there. And that was actually the spot we were oh. supposed to be at. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was just some really great learning that uh, even when we think that we have failed, we really haven't. Right. You know, yeah, because there's so many pieces to it. So many pieces to it, and I was super stoked. I won't uh, tell you what I was climbing on as far as the rope goes, but I had some great, uh, I had some great uh, confirmation on my ability to handle that kind of rope, as well as uh, the uh, climbing and approach shoes, yeah. and just some other personal bests mm-hmm. that I was super stoked about. But yeah, failure really isn't failure yeah. in that in that in that regard. That rope so. when it's dangling down stacked around by your feet 
you, you can't tell the difference between your shoelaces and the rope. <laughs> it may have been the, the shoelace rope. It may have been the Edelrid uh, uh, wrap, 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 uh, or their new what's it called? It's a six mil something that if you double it up, yeah. Uh, don't try this at home, children. Uh, if you double it up, uh, you can. One. Yeah, you can uh, in emergencies uh, lead climb on it. As a twin. And yep. as a twin. And I may not have been in an emergency, but I may have climbed on it as a twin anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's All good. right. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for man. Sharing. Yeah, you bet. All right. Hey. Here we are. We're I'm here. still nursing this athletic brewing company. Zero. Zero stuff. Zero near. near I shouldn't mention this, should near I? Near zero beer. Should I mention that? Well, I don't care. I better not. So, uh, yeah, this isn't bad. It's not bad. Especially for an IPA. Mm. I'm proud of you. Look at that. 65 calories is practically diet beer. Yeah. If I drink this, I'll get... And it has one... It has uh, less than one gram of protein. What? (laughs) I wonder how many of these you'd have to eat, drink to start bulking up. (laughs) Belly bulk. (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, how about you for uh, for 2023? 2023. Oh, the sunshine feels so good. Yeah, it does. 2023, uh, I think for me, the so maybe three things. First thing was we did the CFC annual, con- or uh, not annual conference, but summit. The CFC summit. Oh, in February. Yeah. Yeah. Down in Bend, oh, Oregon. Gosh. And <clears throat> that was really encouraging. That was encouraging. And we had we have some some of the podcast episodes that touch on that. Yeah, that was um, so good. So for me, uh, it you know it's an honor to be invited to it, to be involved, just to participate in it, and then it's so encouraging just hearing and you know hanging out with other people that have the same passion for uh, climbing in Jesus, and mm. G- Jesus and climbing. Everybody got along so well. The spirit was really present. It was really. It was good. like obviously present. Yeah, yeah that's super good. good. So that was, that was good. Mm. Um, came away from that very encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it felt like we were doing something and going somewhere. Yeah, <clears throat> there was times it felt like we were, you know, uh, kind of waiting like through waist waist deep snow. Mm-hmm. But, you know having lived a few years and experienced family life and business family life and all of that mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't <clears throat> trudge through the snow and break trail then oh isn't that the truth uh, you, you got to break trails sometimes yeah yeah and uh That's not, right. not all the time because if you partner up then you can switch yeah yeah so have a healthy partner in life and mm-hmm. switch with the trail breaking anyways mm-hmm. so yeah that that was was really good and then uh, in August, Eric and I, and I think there was around 20 people through Climbers for Christ that, that volunteered to help serve Friday and Saturday breakfast at the Idaho Mountain Festival. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> so just since I was the one kind of running it, uh, it's always daunting when you say yes, you know, the commitment, 
initially because there's no way that I would effectively serve breakfast, you know, pre <laughs> prepare and serve breakfast for uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. Roughly uh, probably 275 mm -hmm. meals uh, or, you know, just under 600 meals in two days. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's so I was encouraged when I was, I kept having to go back to the, the uh, director of the mountain festival and ask for more free passes. And so it was awesome because he gave, kept saying, yeah, sure. Um, so just having the massive turnout with the volunteers mm -hmm. makes it a blast. Like yeah. it's fun. And then, uh, at the festival, there's a hot springs near there that's, mm -hmm. it's really refreshing. Um, and we went there one day, had a good time, had some good talks in the pool um, with people. There's kind of a group of folks that run the festival mm -hmm. year, year in and year out. So mm -hmm. getting to know some of them, nice people. their spouses and the families. Um, watching the kids run around the pool deck, you know, waiting for them to crack their head and bleed, you know. Mm -hmm. As a parent, it's always fun <laughs> watching someone else's kid risk it. <laughs> and and, uh, and then the second day we were going to go do, I was, it was kind of hot. I was, I was done climbing before I even started that day. It was hot. And uh, yeah. trying to find good climbs in the shade that were not crowded yeah. Uh, anyways, so Eric and I headed back out, or you and I. Yeah. We headed back out to the truck, and you're like, oh, let's have a beer." So we sat down we in the camp, parking camp, lot. Camp trail. Camp chairs. Pulled out the camp chairs. Sat in the parking lot. Yeah. In the I middle of nowhere. I scrunched into the shade of my pickup, <laughs> and kind of grumpy because I wanted to just go to the hot springs. Um, mm. but you were. You weren't in a hurry, uh -huh. so we sat there, and it turned out to be, it was really cool, because we were sharing cold drinks, cold, uh, non, you know, like spindrifts, yeah. sparkling waters. Yeah, and made some blueberries. Some blueberries, and just to be able to encourage people that had, because the trail, that yeah. came out, it was about a half mile. Yeah, they were a little bit longer. Yeah. So, you know, they're hiking out through the sagebrush. Yeah. Full sun exposure. Super and it hot. was hot. It was hot, and they were and loaded down, and they'd been climbing. So, you know yeah. how it is, hiking with a backpack in the direct sun. Um, so that was that was good. And then one, one guy we interacted with, and then he came back. He had a uh, teenage son that... He made sure that his son got back to camp. Mm -hmm. And then he wandered back over and just really opened up to us about his spiritual life. And yeah, it was beautiful. His family life. And and yeah. at one point, he, he was all teared up. Yeah. And he asked, asked Eric if he could just have a hug. Yeah. And uh, it was that was very encouraging. I just kept one thing I camped on I kept encouraging him to love his wife mm -hmm. because that would the best thing his kids could see and mm -hmm. witness mm -hmm. is a healthy uh, relationship yeah. with, with mom and dad yeah. so that was that was a big highlight 
That was huge. And then for myself, um, my youngest of four um, got married the end of September mm-hmm. here at the house, the backyard. We're, we're sitting in the backyard right now in the sun. Thank you, son. Thank you, brother, son. And that was, it was a great time, celebration. Um, but then after that, um, you know, we're em- Sandra and I are empty nesters, so... Um, we've been doing some coaching, like marriage coaching, or receiving some marriage coaching. Mm-hmm. This basically throughout the entire twenty twenty three year. Um, so been really good because it's hard to admit for me. I don't know about you, but thirty. <laughs> we just celebrated our thirty second anniversary, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to admit that. I'm only like a year behind you or six months behind you or something. It's hard to admit for the previous 30 years, I have not been a good, healthy communicator in certain areas. And so it's, there's been a lot of, kind of like your, your failed (laughs) climbing approaches. Right. It's your crow approach. Yeah. Yeah. Crow approach. Yeah. I've had, you know, some of that crow. Yeah. I've ate my own crow. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, but, but it's not failure. It's not failure. And I compared it to, uh, I'll just wrap up by saying I was encouraging myself and uh, my wife, Sandra, that it's a lot like going on a big road trip and how much preparation goes in. Your vehicle doesn't even move an inch and you're working, doing all sorts of prep and work just for this road trip. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my in my marriage this year, yeah, like it feels like we're just like almost dead in the water on one hand, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, we're tuning up the vehicle for oh, an awesome, off, awesome adventure. So good. So that's it. Love it. Thanks, man. That's my three highlights of the year. I love it. Right on. Well, four counting the the wedding highlight. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So there's like geese flying over right uh, now. <laughs> hopefully they, it comes through the recording. I don't know if it will. I don't know either. I live near the, like, uh, I don't know, four blocks off the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. And so the geese fly over my house just just above the rooftop. Yep. I should go up there and see if I can grab one out of the sky. <laughs> wait, wait, listen. Yeah, they're talking over here on. Uh, and I live just about a uh, half a mile uh, from Dean. I'm about about a half a mile from the river mm-hmm. myself. And there's a little road that the geese land on. Oh. And they're like, if Kim is uh, Kim is my wife. If Kim's uh, going to school in the morning, yeah, she's a teacher. Uh, she has to wait for them to move out of the road. Oh, <laughs> right over here on seventy-two. And they're not usually in much of a hurry. No, they don't. They don't care about anything except just uh, smiling and waving and yeah. honking and fertilizing and fertilizing. They definitely like to fertilize. So, uh, other thoughts on twenty twenty-three? Well, I think we we had talked about you know we we reflect back so that we can look forward uh-huh. and plan forward so I was kind of mentioned like breaking trail yeah like you're out in front breaking trail and how 
how much easier it is if you partner up with someone mm. else. Just like the geese. That's why they're flying over. Oh my gosh, in a V. Yeah. Yeah. So they break trail for each other. Yeah. And uh, so w- the reason we're here right now in this exact sunny spot on my back patio. Yeah. And we're uh, without tea, without shirts. Oh my gosh, the sun feels so good. And I think I'm, I'm going to be stoked for the vitamin D for the next, yeah. uh, at least the next 12 hours. So you're, <laughs> so you're, so my encouragement to the listener is to, you know, just if you don't have a brother, dude, let's or, cheers to that, or a sister, cheers. someone that, yep, that partners up with you, encourages you. Yes. Uh, really seek that out. Yes. And also, what you've taught me, huh. and I've learned from you in the last few years, is how generous you are with uh, building into that. Uh, you know, financially, like buys me random gifts that you know. Yeah. I have money. I can buy my own gift. I, you know, <laughs> but uh, just encouraging. Yeah. And sometimes it's like uh, selfishly oriented because it's like, here, no, no, no. You definitely want to have yeah. this locker and uh, belay device. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's kind of, you know, looking forward 2024, anyone who's listening, just uh, yeah. if you have someone that's close, uh, encourage them on and be, yeah. be encouraged, be open, open to be encouraged by them. Yeah. And uh, I agree. And so you... You reached out to me about doing a workout today, or actually just hiking in the sun, and yeah, and to keep the time a little shorter, I asked you to come over here mm-hmm. and save. You know, it, we would spent a little over a half hour in the car. Yeah, that's true. Going, going to, to the, the hiking spot. Yep. So I figured if you come here, that half hour could go into uh, working out. Yeah, and and or into this podcast. Yeah. Well, and uh, one of the things I think that's really important I've noticed, uh, and not just looking back to twenty twenty three. But, uh, like, over the course of uh, a long, oh, over my life, but also over the course of our friendship is, like, it's really, really, uh, it's really important to be flexible. It's important to be forgiving. It's important to, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, honestly, uh, Paul wraps up really well in what is love. Like mm-hmm. it's really, especially in friendships, it seems a little bit, I mean, I don't know. We kind of build it into like our romantic relationships mm-hmm. with our spouses and stuff, but like into our friendships, I'm not sure we always do it very well. Like don't hold records of wrong. Yeah. Like, yep. Yep. you know, like let it go. Yeah. And, uh, like don't, uh, uh, what, what's another one? Uh, don't hold records of wrong. Um, uh, do not, See, be patient. Yeah, uh, with one another, because like mm-hmm. uh, you're super good at that with me. Uh, being patient with me, because I'm like all like I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm scattered. Dean's like super dialed in <laughs> with getting the gear out. He's already got his harness on, and I'm like, what end is my? Where do my legs go? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, be, be kind. Uh, uh, yeah. You know all those things. Yeah. Uh, and. It's it's just so so important I think yeah. in uh, your climbing especially in your climbing relationships yes so and I think they're well worth fostering oh yeah so looking back on 2023 I'm so grateful for the relationships I fostered yeah and uh, had a buddy just now uh, message me yeah uh, that uh, a, a picture popped up from him yeah. from, like when we were back we were over in Wadi Rum uh-huh. uh, a few years ago yep. in Jordan. 
And uh, so he just messaged me. He says, man, look at this. It just popped up. Yeah. And we had been climbing. And uh, yeah. so he sent it. Like and almost, miss you. Love you. Almost 10, like nine years ago. Is that how long ago it was? I think so. Holy smokes. We've got to go seven. back. Uh, seven years. We've got to go. Let's go right now. Yeah. Sorry. So, seven, seven years. Seven years. So, I mean, just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. build those relationships. Because I honestly, practicing, uh, practicing relationships particularly as followers of the way of Jesus, yeah. are just as important That's as practicing. I was just, just going to say that God, God brings, brings people together. Yeah. You know, but he, yeah. he doesn't force people to stay together. It's up to no. us to foster it. Foster it. Don't force yeah. it. I know. <laughs> well, okay, so having looked back now, dude, uh, what do you think uh, is on the horizon for uh, 2024 then? Like, uh, what you did in 2023, is there anything that you're kind of like, oh my gosh, needed to do that better, this, this, and this, or really wanted to do that, that's what I'm going to take into 24? Uh, I think, just like today, you know, taking your, your, you kind of reached out mm -hmm. on Messenger to myself and, and our other friend, and then I used, I kind of springboarded off of that little motivation mm -hmm. To, mm -hmm. to get a workout in mm -hmm. and it's easy to have an excuse not to do that oh, so i think man. you know in 24 trying really hard to not let the busy busyness of life replace uh -huh. what actually feeds me and builds me up right you know mm, because working yes. out Working out, I feel so much better after I work out. Yeah. And like you're prepared. I feel like I'm ready for uh, climbing then. Yeah. What yeah. about you? What's your uh, thoughts on I know that, um, like, I am always, <laughs> if I could climb, if I could just be out and away and uh, dirtbag full time uh, with zero responsibilities, yeah. I would do that. And, you know, I'd probably get out there and be doing it, and, be, and I'd be like, what the heck's yeah. going on here? I need to go home. This is miserable. If I sleep in the back of my pickup one more night. I have this, <laughs> I have this image in my head right now of you dancing around your dirtbag van uh -huh. as, it's, as it's ablaze because you got so frustrated, you just burned your whole... <laughs> you torched it. <laughs> so what you thought, this romantic, like, oh, man, this is going to oh, yeah. be so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like in my head. It's I've got it all done together. So, uh, hope, very seriously considering trying to get back up to uh, uh, down or down to California to the uh, Sierras and actually do the uh, the real Palisade Traverse. Yep. And yep. I'm going to see if I can drag you with me. And uh, cool. Got um, that'd be fun. Yeah, man. And that'll probably I don't know when we'll do that. Probably in the end of uh, probably sometime in August when uh, things are best down there. Cool. And then. Um, Looking forward to uh, working a uh, a project. I'd like to get out and work uh, work that proj uh -huh. uh, or a new proj. Yeah, uh, and um, I'll that, give you a, I'll give you a new one. <laughs> thanks. That takes <laughs> that takes just like discipline to oh. go out and do it. Yeah, and uh, but actually, I really like that kind of thing. I like like you know checking yep. off boxes, mm -hmm. making lists, and going and doing stuff. So that's going to be good. Uh, I want to as well. Um, We've talked about going and um, maybe uh, snagging uh, one of our, our climbing friends who needs to get out 
and uh, but doesn't get out as much as they should. Oh, yeah. Snagging them and maybe uh, taking them out on a uh, spur of the moment. They didn't realize this yeah. was about to happen. Adventure climb. Yeah. And uh, coordinating with their spouse, with their wife, and uh, getting them out the door. So that might, I hope that happens. Yeah. Because that would be a hoot. Yeah. Kind of like a their TV show. There was X, uh, they were retired special forces. Yes. And they would kidnap. Yes. They would do this like surprise kidnap and they'd drop them out and whatever. Yes. Yes, and in fact, we should reach out to her sooner than later yeah. uh, and find out like what time of year would really work well for them. Let them know. Let her know uh, yeah. that a kidnap's going to happen. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get her <laughs> on board. And um, I think that's going to be fun. Uh, I really, really would like to get into the mountains. Uh, I really would like to get up to Mazama and uh, do a bunch of those. Do there's like two or three, four really great. Actually, there's a handful of really great. Long, long multi-pitch sport routes that are just fun. Yeah, and you just like you know clipping clipping bolts, and then uh, uh, I really like to get in the mountains for uh, at least a couple of um, long approach, uh, uh, scrappy, uh, chassis, uh, alpine, uh, multi-pitch routes here in, in the Cascades. Yeah on some Cascade Granite. It's just yep. the best. And I know people complain about it. Right. For what reason, I have no idea. Because it is just, it is like full-on adventure. Oh, yeah. You can have like full-on adventure mm-hmm. with a low uh, to mid-fifth-class multi-pitch. I yep. mean, it's just like, you're taking your life in yep. your own hands because half the time, and don't listen to this, sweetheart, uh, <laughs> half the time you're unroped, and the other half of the time, <laughs> you yeah. You know, you go from one near-death experience to another. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's not the moves you're making. It's going yeah. from a near-death. It's one near-death death experience to another. near-death. Yeah. So maybe do some of that. Sounds fun. In fact, I almost... I want uh, to do that with you. Dude, yes. I almost... Uh, I think we should actually connect. And I think it'd be fun to go up and do Ingalls uh, just outside of Stewart yeah. in the winter. Cause I did that one time with Paul oh. and I didn't have the skill set, you know, way back Snow then shoeing or what? snowshoed in. Oh yeah. And then, uh, be take our stuff with it, take okay. our tools and whatnot. Cause if that's, uh, cause it's not South facing, it might have some ice and oh, snow yeah. on it and climb, uh, that, that, uh, Ingalls, uh, Oh yeah. With in the winter, uh, winter ice, rock, snow. Yeah. It sounds dangerous and compelling. Yeah, it does. <laughs> You've piqued my interest. Yeah. Oh, it's fun stuff. As long stuff. as you break trail. No avalanche problems and fall through and oh my goodness, fall off the edge of something. Mm. Well, what else are you thinking about? 2023. Uh, I'm thinking that listeners should email us and yeah, share, you know, what's what stokes their fire. I agree. What uh, maybe what they want to hear in twenty twenty four? I like that. Yeah, yeah. What would you like to hear in twenty twenty four? Who should we? Uh, who should try we to get an interview with? Yeah. Who should we reach out to? Yeah. I agree. Yep. Yeah, man. I like it. All right. God bless you guys. Uh, here's to twenty twenty four and awesome climbing and uh, even and you know what? Awesome failing. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as a fail in climbing. Uh, it's all about building capacity, building resilience, getting that foundation established. Unless it's ultimate failure. I mean, unless it's if ultimate If it's ultimate, failure. then. Yeah. If like we give don't up. Know. If you give up, then <laughs> you suck. You're on your own. But just don't give up. <laughs> yep. Send it. All right. Crush it. Talk to you later. See ya.
Oh, we're going to start saying we love you. Oh, we love you. We love you.